the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Well, pitchers and catchers reported, what was it, like a week ago? We've got games coming up soon. And on today's podcast, bold predictions for the 2023 season. Bold. Bold predictions. That's Cody Fincher. I'm Steve Zinsmeister on the Ain't No Fang podcast. We're going to get to those bold predictions here in just a few minutes. Uh, some news and notes about the Arizona Diamondbacks this week. It is Newsmakers Week, by the way, on Arizona Sports, which is when uh, Bickley and Murata talk with a lot of the biggest newsmakers around town, one of which this morning was Tori Lovello. Have you heard of him? Yes, I have. He's the manager of the Arizona he Diamondbacks. He runs the show. Perhaps the most interesting thing that I heard Tori talk about was the bullpen situation. And he even acknowledged, like, you guys know how I usually handle this. I, I, I use spring training to figure out who my closer is going to be. This year might be a little bit different. It's, it's a very fluid situation. That's the word I use with, with, uh, with the group here on day one. I don't know what that answer is. And um, look, I, I, you, you guys have traditionally seen me um, name a closer before spring training ends. Uh, that's not going to be the case. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to find the right guy in the right inning to get the right outs. So maybe not an official closer by the end of spring. What do you make of that? I kind of like that approach, especially with this group, because there's not really that, like, that dude's the closer. There's no obvious answer. I, yeah, there's no, there's nobody that sticks out that says he is the closer. Like there, because last year it was Mark Melanson because they signed him to a two-year, fourteen million dollar deal. He was coming off a season in 2021 where he led the National League in saves. I think with thir- 39, something like that. And at age 38, right? And he was your closer. And Ian Kennedy, they brought him in. Ian Kennedy was the eighth inning guy. That was it. The roles were clearly defined right away. But with this group, because Melanson's still there, and they bring in guys like Miguel Castro, who have has the stuff to do it, um, and they bring in you know Vargas and other guys that throw really hard. It's kind of a hodgepodge in the bullpen right now. You don't really know who uh, they bring back. Chafin, Mantiply still there. It's, I, I think you're going to see a lot of guys with saves it, for the for the Diamondbacks. These you know, Scott Scott McGuff obviously was closing in Japan so maybe before they a, signed him too. So maybe it, a closer by committee. Yeah, maybe if maybe they go super analytical and go with that and see like okay, well this guy's got the best chance to get these three guys out. So let's pull him out there. Tori did talk about that a little bit that the analytics will play into it, the stats obviously, but also there is a feel to this. I mean, there needs to be a guy that handles the pressure situations. That is I don't know if I want to call it a skill, but it's real. It's tangible. Like you know yeah. when guys are good in the moment and when they're not. Yeah, and it's nice too to have to have now two solid left-handed pitchers in that yeah. bullpen. I think Vargas is left-handed really? too. Uh is he? I think. He might, I, might I was going to say there's that, three lefties I can think of that we predicted would Chafin, be Mantiply and Nelson, Kyle, Kyle Nelson. Nelson. Oh yeah, but I forgot about Kyle Nelson. So and so you're not uh, like relying strictly on Andrew Chafin or Joe Mantiply has to come in and then you're out of lefties and you can't use any in the ninth inning or whatever because now you have at least two that are super solid and dependable. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who makes the bullpen because there were a lot of minor league deals yeah. that brought guys in. Like Jerry's Familia, I I went out to the first full squad workout, and maybe I just missed him. Maybe he wasn't wearing a jersey, but I, I didn't even see Jerry's Familia. Um, 
it's possible he's not here yet. I don't know about that, but who knows? But I didn't see him out there, and I forgot about him. And we'll see if he makes the bullpen. He's a veteran. Um, we'll see. But I mean, a lot of young guys. McGuff is out there too. I'm interested to see what he does. Um, I maybe this is a bold prediction. I'll say for later. But I saw someone tweet that they think Scott McGuff is going to lead the. Diamondbacks and saves this year and that might be the case too so yeah I mean we might be blowing up our bold prediction segment but I literally wrote <laughs> Scott McGuff will become the closer oh, at some point sorry. no 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 but let, you, let's dive into it in the I context of this conversation it. the guy is coming over from Japan he's had 69 saves in the last two seasons combined that's 38 in one season 31 in the other mm-hmm. he's had ERAs of 2.52 and 2.35 so ERAs of two and a half or lower Keep in mind, Japan, I get it. Sure. Even if these numbers inflate a little bit, that's still a useful pitcher. Yeah. Uh, whip around one. He had one season with a whip under one, which is really impressive. So I don't think it's far-fetched to say Scott McGuff could work his way into some save situations. You have to keep an eye out for Miguel Castro, too, because he does have electric stuff. I know he allows guys to get on base a little too much. He's got a high whip. So that might not be perfect for the ninth inning where you're trying to hold a three-run lead or less. Um, so we'll see there. I, I don't think it's going to be Mark Melanson. I just I don't see that happening. Even though he was actually pretty good in yeah, save chances. I know, but I just, I don't know if that's going to I don't know if that's in the cards this year. I don't, I just the, the Mark Melanson experiment was kind of a failure. Um, but yeah, you're right. He did have a much better statistics when in a save situation instead of a non-save situation. It was very drastic. More from Tori Lovello this morning with Bickley and Murata. I found this very interesting about what he and pitching coach Brent Strom uh, felt that they needed in this offseason. At the end of the year last year, we sat down as a group and we thought, where where were we deficient? What do we have to work on? And Brent Strom, who's an architect of what we're doing here from a pitching standpoint, said, we need more power. So I can't, I, I, if you come out here, there are balls whizzing by at 95, 100 miles an hour. It's <laughs> impressive. So we've got a lot of power. And uh, that was his request, and he's going to go to work with what he has. Bickley's reaction is my reaction. Good. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, X. Excellent. Listen, that's you, what I want to hear. I want guys to throw hard. We finally have them. Yeah, Dre Jameson throws really hard. He does uh, the all these these uh, bullpen guys seem to throw really Castro, hard? Castro Vargas. Yeah, they throw hard. I mean, Ryan Nelson. Yeah, he throws pretty hard. Brandon Fott throws hard. He does. I want the flamethrowers because if you look at like okay, let's say the, we kind of know who the top four in the rotation are going to be. Yeah. Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Madison Bumgarner, and Zach Davies. Zach Gallen, yeah, he could he could get it up there at around 95, 96 if he wants to. I don't call that hard. That's about average. Well, not today. Right it used pitcher. to be hard. It used to. It used to be. It's but not anymore. Merrill Kelly doesn't throw hard. No. Mad Bum doesn't throw hard. Mad Bum really never threw hard. That hard. 93 maybe, but it was all about the the delivery and deception. deception and Zach Davies sure, yeah. definitely doesn't throw hard at no. all. Contact so, pitcher. And I don't know who's going to get that fifth spot. We'll probably get into that later. But Well, I think this could be a good argument for Dre Jamison. Sure. If, yeah. if it's power, they're looking for it. Look at the three yep. main options we talked about in our roster predictions. Dre Jamison, hard-throwing righty. Tommy Henry, control pitcher, left-handed, usually don't throw as hard. Not always the case, but in this case it applies. And Ryan Nelson, who I think could throw decent, if I remember, in terms of speed and velo, but, 
I mean, Trey Jameson's the guy between those three. If you're looking for power, something that, like you mentioned, yeah. you don't have in your rotation. Power yet. and control he showed last year at the end in September. He went into just the game that stood out to me the most. Um, because uh, it's funny because he, Jameson, Nelson, and a couple years ago now, Tyler Gilbert each faced the Padres in their first start and they dominated the Padres. Right. Tyler Gilbert threw a no hitter. But then Dre Jameson goes into Dodger Stadium and just absolutely kicks the Dodgers butt that game um late in the season. And he was he was very, very good. And yeah, I, we haven't had I feel like we've never had this many young these many young pitchers that are in the minor leagues ready to come up and they all have really good stuff. Don't forget about Blake Walston, too. Yeah, he's actually one of their better prospects. Yeah, and he throws hard as well. He's a lefty. He's a lefty. Um, so we'll see what happens with him, too, because I've been I've been interested to see what he's gotten. He's He's been in the minors for a while now. But, yeah, I, it's really exciting to see all the young pitching, especially, yeah. And I'm really glad that if Brent Strom says he needs something, and that I'm really happy to hear that they went out and and got what he wanted. Yeah, it almost feels that like that guy's really really smart. It almost <laughs> feels like Tory is running the offense. He's the OC and head coach yeah. and and Brent Strom is the if pitching is the equivalent of DC. I know a pitching coach, a hitting coach, all that stuff, right, but right, right. it almost feels like Brent Strom has been given the keys to the car when it comes to the pitching staff and I love that. And I wish it had happened a little bit sooner. I wish that he had evaluated the team a year ago and said, hey, you guys are really lacking in the power arm department, and that they had gone and done it. Now, I don't know when they hired yeah. him versus when free agency hit. I mean, that's a whole other factor, but I just I'm like, glad they came to that conclusion I just conclusion like eventually. that he said, we need guys that throw harder, because guess what? Guess where he comes from? Where does Brent Strom come from? Houston. The Houston Astros. And what did all of their pitchers do when he was there? Most of them throw hard. They throw hard. Yeah. Not it, it's gotten a little bit different recently, but when Brent Strom was there, think of the guys they had. Justin Verlander throws hard. He didn't develop Verlander though. Verlander but had a hell of they, a career. Before they he resurrected got him. Uh, okay, fair enough. In a sense, he won the Cy Young last. Garrett year. Cole hard throws hard. Yeah, he came from somewhere else too. It doesn't matter, okay. Steve. <laughs> when they got to Houston, all they did was hey, hey, Garrett Cole, hey, hey, Charlie Morton. Why don't you throw the ball 98 miles an hour? No, what what I I more give him credit for is finding guys like Framber Valdez, who doesn't necessarily throw hard, but man, is he dominant in a whole other way. Christian Javier. Christian Javier is great. Yeah. They've got other dudes coming up. Hunter Brown is going to be a really good pitcher for them. Uh, Lance McCullers, although he got some bad news this week in a setback, he's going to be really good still, too. that hard. He doesn't throw hard either. But yeah, I've, uh, Brian Abreu mm-hmm. in the bullpen who might be called upon early in the year as a starter. That's a good name. If he can develop guys the way he did in Houston, you might be a year or two from now, you might be talking about some of these guys being really special. Yeah. Trust in Brent Strom. And I'm, I'm glad that they're I'm glad that they're giving him what he requests because they trust I think, him. I think that's yeah. Obviously they do, and I think that's a good move. He's 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 probably one of the best pitching coaches that we that the Diamondbacks have had. Easily, easily. Uh, one of the biggest stories at camp so far it has nothing to do with what has happened or transpired. Is will the Arizona Diamondbacks come to the negotiation table uh, with Corbin Carroll, who is their stud prospect? 
recently rated the top prospect in baseball, I believe by Keith Law Mm -hmm. of The Athletic. Will they do a Julio Rodriguez, Wander Franco, Fernando Tatis type deal where you pay the guy hundreds of millions of dollars before he has really established himself in the major leagues? Julio got something ridiculous. Like, if it all comes to fruition, Julio Rodriguez's deal is like 14 years, <laughs> $470 million or something like that. Wander Franco got a ton of money before he ever stepped foot in Tropicana. Tatis, I think, is a little different because he established himself as one of the best players in the game in his first season. Yeah. Uh, Corbin Carroll had a great September, but he doesn't have a lot of baseball underneath his uh, on his track record just yet. No. I think we all think he's going to be great. Is it worth locking him up for a couple hundred million? And we don't know that that's what it's going to take. But right. We don't, we don't know how many years or if it's going to be a Tatis type of contract. Like, Tatis got got 13 years, right? It was like a 13-year deal or whatever. Like I said, he had already proven he was one of the most talented shortstops in the game. Wander Franco got an 11-year, $182 million deal. Do you do that deal for Corbin? I think that's possible. It just it eliminates the arbitration process for sure. If you can get him on a team-friendly type of deal, because like I'm looking at Wander Franco's right now, and Wander Franco is he doesn't even get uh, over 15 million until 2027. Yeah. And then after that, it's in 2027 he makes 22 million, and then every year after that, it's 25 million. If you could lock in a Corbin Carroll for that. I think that's smart because now I did you see the story about Corbin Burns? They aggravated him in the yeah, uh, they, arbitration the process. The Brewers seem to have pissed him off in yeah. the arbitration process before he becomes a free agent relatively soon. They basically blamed his performance down the stretch for why the Brewers didn't make the playoffs Which according is according to him. Asinine. Yeah. And this is from Corbin Burns himself. Like he's the best he was, pitcher in baseball. He was talking to reporters, and he said all that stuff. And yeah. if you do these, if you do these, um, these deals, I think one, it cuts out the arbitration process for a while. It actually gets rid of it totally. Yeah, if so you sign up that's for a good five year deal at least. Another thing years. too is like, look what the Braves have done. The Braves do this with every good young player that they get. They lock them up. They lock them. Michael Harris won Rookie of the Year last year, and they gave him a seven-year deal. Uh, Austin Riley. Austin Riley. Acuna is making a re- absurdly low amount of money for what how good he is. Yeah, but he also spends a lot of time hurt. Well, a lot of that. time. They just Albies is locked Al- up. They just Matt acquired. Olson. They just acquired Sean Murphy, a catcher, and they locked him up. Yep. Um, Spencer Strider. Yeah. Didn't Spencer even play Strider. the full season. Yeah. Locked him up. Locked him up. So, Max Freed, I think, is well, he might be a free agent relatively soon, but yeah. So if, they've got a if lot of dudes you, locked up. If you kind of take that approach, if you think you got something special, and I think Corbin Carroll can be special, um, there is an argument though for maybe he should play a whole season first before they commit to something like that. I guess it all depends on what the deal is. We haven't seen any numbers, right? I mean, well, we don't know. We won't yeah. know until it's signed. Probably. And if you're so you're probably questioning, like, what is it that makes him want to sign this deal and not just go to free agency five years, six years from now and test the market? Well, the theory is, you know, there's obviously he spent time injured. He missed a full season. Uh, Would that have been 19 or 21? 
It wasn't the 2020 season. That everybody missed that. All the minor it was leaguers didn't play. 2021, didn't he, he miss that season? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So 2021 season, he misses with a shoulder injury. Maybe he's thinking, hey, you know what? I could take 100 million right now or 150 million and secure my future and my family and all my other endeavors in life, and I could lock that up, and I still get out in time to make a mega contract around age 30, 31, 32, whatever the case may be. Yeah, That would be the intrigue for Corbin Carroll. I don't know that they'll do it. We've read reporting that they're at least open to negotiating that. Let's remember, this is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Are they really going to spend $300 million on a guy that hasn't played that much? Right. Probably not. $200 million? Now, maybe they've done not necessarily the amount of money that a lot of teams have done recently, like the Tatis and Franco and yeah. all that, but they've done deals like this before, but they usually benefited the team. Like Paul Goldschmidt signed a ridiculously team-friendly contract. Um, not too long after he came up, he was making like seventeen yeah. a year. He maybe was making, at most. yeah. Let me find it at the because, end of it. He was making like seventeen. Million? And you could argue that um, Cattell Marte is kind of on that right now. He he is. He kind of took a. And you know what? His production fell off. So yeah. it's probably a good thing that they did that. So yeah, Paul Goldschmidt in twenty fourteen signed a five year thirty two million dollar deal. So he's making what wow. roughly six million six wow. million dollars a year. Yeah, so and he came up in 2011. So he played in he played in two full seasons before they before signing that contract. Um, and they of course they traded him away. Let's but, see where it goes. I mean, you might be right. They might not even touch this until after the I season, think, and then I he mean, gets more yeah, experience. They might not. They might have just opened up. Hey, hey, Corbin, we. We What's it going to take? <laughs> we think you can be something really special, and we want you here for a long, long time. Yeah. Let's just start the conversation. See where we're at. Set the expectation. Yeah, like we want you. We yeah. want you to be a Diamondback for a, a long, long time. And for Corbin Carroll, too, the benefit of him, he's 22 years old. They give him a 10-year, 11-year deal. He still hits free agency in his early 30s. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Man. And that's what, what I would consider your prime sure. as a position player, sure. your early 30s. Well, but he's also he's a smaller speed fast, guy. yeah. And that goes True. away with True. age. True. It's the whole argument I made about Trey True. Turner in free agency. Like, okay, is that guy really going to be super fast at age 38, 39, 40? Right. We'll see. Probably not. No, probably not. Anyway. But yeah. It's I, an interesting contract I, I don't talk. think if they do that, I don't think it's that big of an issue. I, I'd i be okay with it. Um, I just don't know if it'll be the type of deal like we've seen other younger guys get from other teams. Something that uh, you pointed out to me at camp. I don't know if you saw him there specifically, but we saw pictures of Christian Robinson. Yes. Who is a formerly highly touted prospect in the system. He's an outfielder, corner outfielder, although he played a lot of center. Was that at one point their number one prospect? He was. And then that fell off. You'll remember there was an incident. He punched a cop uh, on the freeway. I wouldn't he recommend was doing that. walking on the, on the I-10 or something. Yeah. And a cop stopped him. Tried and to put him in the cop there car. There was an altercation. Yeah. I don't want to assume anything based on that, but he had some legal complications based off of that. He had trouble getting back into the country. Uh, and so for a while, he was up in the air. I still don't really know where he stands within the organization. The guy's never played a game over single A. I think he... he played in Kane County a little I bit. I think he's still... According to things I've seen on Twitter, he's still working out his visa 
So like he can't play in games yet. So I don't think he's in he's in camp, but I don't think we can see him in a spring training game. Interesting. So I don't I don't think he can I don't think well, he's cleared to play yet. Even if he the was last cleared. time he played a baseball game was in 2019 for um, Hillsboro three years ago. Yeah, for Hillsboro. So even if he got cleared, where do you put that guy in your organization? Do you put him back where he left off in Kane County in Single A? Do you put probably? Him, I don't even know. Is Kane County even still an affiliate? I'm not even. Sure. I don't know. They change so freaking often. Uh, I don't know. Do you put him back in Single A? Do you send him down to rookie ball? Do you, I don't even know if that's possible. Do you uh, play him in a in the Dominican for a while? I, I don't know what you do with a guy like that. But all I know is he's like a. He's like a Josh Gordon in the NFL. We all know he's good. We all know he's got a bunch of talent, but is he ever going to be available to use it? And it's not like the Diamondbacks are dying for outfield help anymore because they've got a bunch of other young outfielders that are coming up. Mm -hmm. Plus, they just drafted Drew Jones at the top of the draft last year. And we we still don't really know where his legal situation stands. No idea. Because I haven't, I haven't heard a single thing about it since I know he went back. To, I think he's from the Bahamas, right? He's from the Bahamas. I know he went, he went home, and then he wasn't allowed to come back because of his work visa and all the issues because he had a legal problem. But he's he's here now. He's at least cleared to be back in the U.S. and working out with the Diamondbacks. So he's this kid. He's only twenty two. He's twenty two years old. Yeah, he last played a game when he was. Eight, uh, 18 years old. He's 18 in 2019, the last time it's, he played a baseball It's an interesting a professional baseball game. I don't know if we're I don't I just I don't know, man. I don't know what his future holds at all because like you said, where do you put him? I have no idea. Where where does he play? They have so many outfielders already. Um, they got guys sitting in AAA who might not even get a shot. I mean, yeah, there's still Dominic Kenzone and Dominic Fletcher. Two Dominics. Yep. Um, by the way, Dominic Fletcher. I didn't realize he's he's a little guy. Yeah. Well, it, that not was, saying he's not, ta- not. That's not derogatory or anything. But like, I'm a pretty like average height guy, and he's like my size. But that's why I was shocked. I didn't. I've never seen him play before. I was shocked. I'm like. I think that's Dominic Fletcher. That's why the losers like me who pay attention to the draft a little bit. When he and I think he and Corbin Carroll got drafted in the same class, and everyone looked at it like they're the same, basically the same type of player. They're, they're both short, they're left-handed, both fast yep. center fielders. Yep. And it's yep. like, why would you? And you already had Alec Thomas, I think, in the system there, by then. There's a picture. Why do we have all the same guys? There's a picture of all the outfielders. I think you showed me it. Oh yeah, they're, they're tiny. There's a picture of all of them. Standing out there, and it's it's uh, Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is a as he- a, f- a whole head taller. He than looks like every he's other seven outfielder. feet tall compared yeah. to everybody. He else. looks so gigantic. Um, but yeah, Christian he runs Robinson. The daycare. Yeah, Christian <laughs> Robinson. I I don't know if if he still has a future. I mean, he's certainly young enough. I mean, it's not like he's wasted his whole life. Um, you know, like time wise. He's still only 22 years old. He doesn't turn 23 until December. Yeah. So he's, he's got time to he's figure out. He's got time. If he can just, if he can get whatever legal situation or whatever he's got to get worked out, if he can figure that out, then maybe he can get back into the swing of things, pun unintended. Got to have the visa to get the job. Sure. Got to have the job to get the visa. Yeah. It's so chicken or the egg kind we'll of thing. We'll see what happens. I mean, so in 2019, I mean, Dude, in 2019, he played in 44 games in 2019 for Hillsboro. Hit 319. 
So he definitely can He's hit. Good. He can He's hit. Good. Uh, Something that I don't want to waste too much breath on, but <laughs> the stadium situation has been sure, discussed further. Sure. Derek Hall made himself available at spring training this with week. With Ken Kendrick. Uh, with Ken Kendrick, which is a little bit interesting because one of the bigger nuggets that came out of Ken Kendrick is that he's willing to spend hundreds of million dollars, his words, mm-hmm. to upgrade Chase Field. They're obviously still looking at other avenues to play in other ballparks in Maricopa County. They made that very clear. They're yeah. not looking to leave the state. I think... I I think what they said was their Derek Hall was on Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata too this week. I think they he said that the lease for Chase Field is up in 2027 or somewhere around it's there. Been a couple years to think so about. So they have I mean so they need to decide either this year or next year if they're going to be staying in Chase Field because if they need to build a ballpark it you just don't build a you just don't build something like that. In a year. Well, and Look no, at what the Coyotes are having to I go was going to say, no offense to the Coyotes, but you do not want to go through what they're going through. They have, an, uh, they have a situation going on over at Mullet Arena. I've been there. It's kind of cool. It's intimate. But in no way does the NHL want them playing in a stadium like that, right. in, a, in an arena that small. Because what happens if the Coyotes make the playoffs? Which I don't think will happen. What happens if they go to the Stanley Cup Finals and all of a sudden you have to tell the NHL, well, we only have 5,000 seats. Yeah, that's unacceptable. What are the D-backs going to do if they get to 2027 and they say, well, we're going to build a ballpark, but we just haven't done it yet. Right. We're going to go play at Salt River Fields for a co- like there's no short term solution locally. The flip side, too, is that when you actually because I <laughs> I think you were the one that brought this to my attention and it didn't it didn't come to mind right away. Chase Field is one of the oldest ballparks in the National League. The fourth oldest. Fourth I think. oldest, yeah. Because there's exactly. Dodger Stadium, Wrigley Field. Those are the obvious ones. And I, was it Coors is a year or two older? Yes. Something yes, like because that. they came in bef- a couple years before the D-backs did. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're the fourth oldest uh, in the National League. Obviously, there's older ones in the American League, too. But um, They're like the tenth oldest total or yeah, something like so that. They have, they have a big undertaking if they want to... Refurbish or renovate Chase Field. The Suns were able to do it with Footprint Center. They've been in that building for a long, long, long time. I mean, it's had like eight and, different names. And I unfortunately I haven't been in the building after, since they've done the renovation. Oh, it's I know good. it's I know it's great. Everyone it's tells good. me it's fantastic, and I I need to go to a game. But um, it's also obvious. Yeah, right. Like you go in there and you're, you're like, like, oh, oh this yeah, is this not is better. The same place yeah, I was this is in better. Last time. So. I don't know how the Diamondbacks would go about doing that with Chase Field. Obviously, they got to work on the concourses. Yeah. Um, because you want to keep up with, you know, different technology that comes out in these newer ballparks. You want to keep up with the fan experience and make the most out of that. You want to you want to obviously draw people to your to your stadium. And obviously, what does that here is winning baseball games. But w- I guess the question is, is <laughs> would it be easier just to build a new ballpark? You know why I think they'll do that? Because build Der- a new ballpark or yes, stay? build a new ballpark. Derek said something. Derek Hall said something this week about, uh, I think it was with Bickley and Murata. He said something to the effect of, the one thing we can't do in renovations is make the stadium smaller and more intimate. Because I have a feeling that's what they want to do. I told you that I took a trip to Texas this summer. Yes. Went to a game, uh, August or September, something like that. 
And the stadium, while indoors, feels like, you know, all indoor stadiums have a similar vibe, right? Because it's not outdoors. But I'm telling you, in Texas, it's built up instead of back. Chase Field is built back. If you're sitting in the last row in the upper deck, Mm. you are light years away away from the action. If you're in the last row at whatever the stadium in Texas is called, it's not progressive, it's Globe Life field or something like that if you're sitting in the last row there you're still close to the action you're just straight up sure yeah and and i think the diamondbacks would like to make a more intimate environment because a attendance has gone down over the last 20 years since 25 years since they built the ballpark yeah they overestimated how popular the team was going to be so what happened with that was if i remember correctly they were going to have like a 41,000-something seat stadium, and at the last minute, Jerry Colangelo approved an extra 10,000 seats. Wishful thinking. Which was, I mean, yeah, they used them early on in the you know, in the in the organization's history because they were they, they were, were winning good and they were winning World Series. Yeah. So all those seats were full, but now it's it looks it looks bad on TV when they show those wide shots of the upper deck being mostly empty. I think what and if they what they need is they need a stadium that is no more than no more than thirty nine thousand seats. I feel like yeah, thirty that feels thirty six right. to thirty nine thousand. And how would you if you're gonna stay if they're gonna stay in Chase Field? They can't do that. You can't just rip out the seats. Can't do I it. mean, you you could do other things up there, like the Rockies. You know, they have that that restaurant slash bar up at the mile high marker. Up. Is that the third deck and right field? So, yeah, yeah. So those used to be seats, and they took them out because no one would ever sit there. Yeah, and they just made it a restaurant and a bar area. I don't know if the Diamondbacks can do something. They already kind of have that. That, there's no there's room, a cold beer man. and cheeseburgers in there, so that you in already have field, that thing. Yeah. You already have that type of gimmick, I guess you want to, if you you'd call it. But I don't know what it like. Would you just be ripping seats out and leaving just empty cement blocks, like space for advertising? I, that I, doesn't I don't excite know. me. But who's gonna look up there? Like, why would anyone want to advertise up there? No, I, I don't know. So I, I I think, and obviously, like I like Chase Field. It's I've been going there since I can remember. Since the Diamondbacks started, and it's I've seen a lot of cool things happen there, and that's where I've grown up as a baseball fan. But honestly, I think they could use a new ballpark. I think I don't know where they I don't know where they'd build it. Derek Hall and Ken Kendrick did mention because remember a couple years ago there was the whole Las Vegas talks. Yeah, and I don't know if those are dead, completely dead, dead, but. Ken Kendrick and Derek Hall made it a point to say, if we move, it'll be in another location in Maricopa County. Well, I mean, like, what would moving do any... How would that do them any good? Then you're, now you have to build a fan base in another market? Oh, you mean out of state? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense for them to move out of there's state. There's the whole, like... Or out of county, even. You're not going to move to Tucson or the Flagstaff. Whole, their either. whole Vegas thing, too... I don't really buy that because I think MLB would just expand and make a new team yeah. in Las Vegas. I don't think they would be like, well, Di- the Diamondbacks can just come here and be our Vegas team. I mean, if they wanted to move really out of market, you go to Nashville. Yeah. They've been trying to put a team in Nashville for the last few years. But I think it's a popular town. It's like I, basically I Las Vegas of the East. Yeah. I think that's going to happen in just a regular old expansion. Probably. I think they're just going to put two more teams and put one in the National League and one in the American League. That's the whole uh, Dave Stewart <laughs> 
was a part of a group yeah, that was yeah, trying to put a team yeah, there. Yeah. Him and Larusa, I, I think, think so. was oh involved. God. Oh boy. <laughs> and originally Dave, I think Dave Dombrowski, no. Yeah, Dave Dombrowski, I think, was a part of that too before he ended up taking the Phillies job. Yeah. So, I, I, for me, I don't know what you would rather see them do, but I mean, I build think, a new park. I think they're, I think they're due for a new park if they could swing it. Um, they don't deserve it though. <laughs> I want them to do it, and it's not my money. I so think what, do well, I care, what they need to do, they need to put a good f- team on the field. That's what I'm saying. They, they, don't they need to win. They need to win games. You know why nobody goes to Diamondbacks games? How many times have they made it to the playoffs in the last twenty years? Okay, twenty years so since oh three, right? Since oh four, okay, when they were right, actually right. good. How many times have they gone to the playoffs? One, oh seven. Yep. Twenty ten, twenty eleven. Sorry, twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven, and then twenty seventeen. That's it. Three, three times in nineteen years. 20, twenty years. Twenty years because they didn't go in oh three. Twenty they? No. years they and they've been to the playoffs three times. I think I read the other day that the only other team that's made it less is the Marlins. What's the problem with the Marlins stadium? It's the same problem. No one goes. Did you see, have you been seeing that that picture that's been going around of the comparing the Diamondbacks and the Rays? Because they both came in at the same time. Have you seen that that picture? Oh, like the comparison of like success or what? Yes. So here it is. They're a good run organization and this one's not? Team, no. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically the same exact team. Okay. The Rays have played in 3,946 games. The Diamondbacks have played in two more games than that. Okay. I guess that makes sense. The Diamondbacks have 1,914 wins. The Rays have two less than that, 1,912 wins. Wins. Okay. So records are They have the exact same losses at uh, 2,034. Okay. Their win percentages are the exact, win-loss percentages are the same. They have the same exact batting average as a team. Really? Since they've 255. Wow. The ERA is basically the same. 425 for the Rays, 426 for the Diamondbacks. The Rays have made the playoffs eight times. The Diamondbacks have made the playoffs six times. The Rays have a winning percentage in the playoffs of 452. The Diamondbacks have 450. The Diamondbacks have won five division titles. The Rays have won four. The Rays have won two pennants. The Diamondbacks have won one. And the Diamondbacks have won one World, one World Series, and the Rays have won nothing and haven't wow. won one yet. Okay, so initial reaction. Obviously, <laughs> the Rays were really bad at the start of their obviously franchise. Obviously, winning the World Series, either team would want to be the one that won Correct. the World Series. So that's a so definite, that's a huge that's plus a huge, for the D-back. Huge win. At the same time, and maybe it's recency bias. I feel like the Rays is a much better run organization than the Diamondbacks. No offense to the people that are in the front office here in Arizona. I think that I like Mike Hazen a lot. I like some of the moves he's made. I think he's very um, frugal with the money situation, seeing as how this is kind of a mid-market. But maybe it is the recency bias, but the Rays, I feel like, are competitive all the time with very little money to work with. And people leave the Rays organization and go run other big markets, like Andrew Friedman going to run the Dodgers. Yeah, they've they've been a proving ground for really good front office people. Uh, Arizona really has not historically, uh, aside from like Jared Porter getting a job with the Mets for like half a minute um, before that blew up in their face. That's interesting that they're so comparable because. And again, maybe it's just recency bias, but I feel like the Rays is a much better organization than the Diamondbacks, despite the fact that the D-backs won a championship. And it's very much... 20 years ago. It's very much recency bias, too. The Rays have been good 
very good more recently, recently yeah. than the Diamondbacks. But anyway, Maybe that's it. Anyway, so yeah, and they have a crappy stadium situation too. They both need new ballparks, but they don't deserve it. <laughs> I'm gonna keep saying that. The only reason the Rays don't have a World Series is because of Kevin Cash. I'll just doesn't say that. Uh, I, well, who did they lose in the World Series? The team? Dodgers in 2020. Oh nine. Oh Philly, Philly. Yeah, Cole Hamels. He ruined their chances. Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels was the reason really they don't have a ring. In Ke- my opinion, Kevin Cash pulled Blake Snell he when he was throwing a shutout. Let's uh, move to our bold predictions for the 2023 season. Stupid man. Well, I know. You hate Kevin Cash. Stupid man. Get over it. Uh, Bold predictions for the 2023 season. Um, We already kind of talked about the closer role a little bit. One of mine that I wrote down was Scott McGuff becoming the closer at some point. At some point. Um, he's coming over from Japan. It doesn't sound like it's going to be in spring training. He has a lot lot of closing experience in Japan. I know it's Japan, but even if his numbers uptick a little bit, mm-hmm. I still think he's got a great shot. There's been a lot of talk about his splitter that he developed in Japan and how it's a really nasty pitch. Well, hey, we, that could be fun. Hey, what's I think I feel like that's a common theme with a lot of the Japanese pitchers that have come over. Their splitters are nasty. Darvish, right? Otani, right? Yeah, Kodai Senga has this pitch called the Ghost Fork. Hell yeah. That I'm is down. apparently unhittable. You remember when Dice K had the gyro Dice K, ball? Yes. So if, it was basically like an inverse so if slider. You're telling me that Scott McGuff learned how to throw a splitter I'm down. from a, in, well in Japan. Hell yeah. I'm down. Give it to me. Let's see it. So I yeah, I like that. I All like right. that. Um I'll I'll do another one here okay, to, to kind of uh launch this. I think bold prediction, I think the Diamondbacks will lead the major leagues in stolen bases in twenty twenty three. I could see that happening. They were sixth overall last season, mm-hmm. and they were first tied for first with Cleveland in the month of September when they really started to have the lineup that I think is most comparable to the one that's coming. Corbin Carroll came up. Alec Thomas was around before he got sent down to AAA. Um, the one key factor is Dalton Varsho gets traded away, but I think that opens the door for Jake McCarthy. Sure. To have more opportunities, he had 23 steals and only 300 at-bats. I saw an this ML- is a fast team, dude. I saw an MLB network. They were doing prediction-type stuff, and I think they had McCarthy like tied for fourth with 27 steals projected for next year. I'm going to give him 30. So, yeah, he could. I think he could get to and, 30. And let's look, look at this team, by the way. Where does their power come from? Where do their RBIs come from? Yeah, there's Christian Walker. He had over 30 home runs last year, and I th- I don't remember how many RBIs he had, but it was over 80. I want to say it was other, in the 90s. Other yeah, than okay. other than that, who who's their power hitters that are going to drive in runs? Like a guy standing on first base scoring on a home run. I mean, yeah, Christian Walker. If Cattell Marte is healthy, he could do it. Is this a bold prediction? Because I have one based on this. No, I was just adding to your point why they're going to steal more bases. They're going to have to steal bases. Because <laughs> they're not going to hit the because, ball on the wall. <laughs> because they're not going to hit a lot of home runs, I don't think. Here's a bold prediction. Yes. Christian Walker will hit double the amount of home runs as any other player on the Diamondbacks. You know, oh, yeah. You know why I that's, see that. You know why that's not a bold prediction, as bold <laughs> as I think? Because it's true already. Because he already did it last well, year. Last year, Varsho had 27. Okay. Varsho's gone. Varsho's gone. Yeah. The next highest. Do you know who is the next highest on the Diamondbacks? Ooh. Walker um, had 36. Okay. And he doubled that person? More than doubled. More than doubled. Okay. Varsho had 27. The is that next person highest. still on the team? There's two people who hit this amount of home runs. St- one is on the team. One is not. Okay. Is one of them Josh Rojas? No. Darn. Darn it. Um... 
I don't know. Go ahead. Who is it? One of them is Cattell Marte. Okay. Oh, okay. Hit 12. All right. 12. The other one is David Peralta, who hit 12. Okay. <laughs> now, he might have had more in total for the season, but that no longer matters. He doesn't play he, here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what Evan Longoria had, but I'm willing to bet it wasn't more than half of what Last year? Walker had. I'm willing to bet he didn't get to 18. Just I guess. don't think so. Just Because I think Longoria was injured last year. He hit 14 home runs last year. I think Corbin Carroll is capable of 20-plus, but yeah. we don't know until he does it. McCarthy's not getting to 20. Alec Thomas ain't getting to 20. Perdomo and Ahmed, although Ahmed could probably get 15. I think Rojas might be a sneaky candidate to maybe, maybe get to 20, but... I, I'm like, Kelly's not going to Kel- play enough. Moreno, Moreno won't play enough. And Moreno, what we've seen from him is that he's a good contact hitter, but I don't know about the... I know he's got pop, yeah. but I don't know about the home run power. We'll see. Guriel's power dropped off a cliff. He had 20-plus like, in a season, and then like, he had five. Yeah, he, he had five last year, if I'm remembering correct. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> hit 291, but he only hit five home runs and had 52 RBIs. So even if he doubles that with the short left field at Chase Field, here's, he's still 26 shy of Christian Walker. Here's one. Here's a bold prediction. I don't know if this is going to happen, but I we'll see. Hit me with it. It depends on a lot of things. I think we are going to see Dre Jameson, Ryan Nelson, and Tommy Henry all in the rotation at the same time at some point this year. So that kicks out, in theory, Bumgarner and Davies. Correct. Via, I think, do you want to even I go think, bolder and predict how? <laughs> I think Davies is a candidate to get traded. If to a contender, he, maybe? Maybe, if he pitches well enough. Yeah. I think Bumgarner, I, I hope I'm wrong, because... He is an important piece to this puzzle if they're going to be competitive. I hope so. I think he's not going to pitch well enough, and he's going to get he's going to get removed from the rotation. Hmm. I like that. I know I like I'm, I'm a downer on that, but honestly, though, if that happens, at least we get the um, it's almost like medicine where we'll see all those guys in the rotation at the same time. Okay, so on the note of young players yes here's a bold prediction go hit me jordan lawler will get called up before the trade deadline because because i don't think they're going to be satisfied with the production at shortstop and if this team takes the leap we hope they do which is competing for a wild card i want to temper expectations they're not going to beat the dodgers or the pot maybe not even the padres yeah um but to be competitive for a wild card would be great this season. And I don't think you're doing it with the production you have at short. Nick Ahmed missed almost all of last season. I think he had like 50 plate appearances before he got hurt. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what his uh, defense is going to look like, although I, I like to think he'll be good at defense. He always has been. His bat already wasn't very intimidating. He started to make some strides with his power, and then he got hurt for a year. Yeah. Perdomo, as much as you you know, I've liked Perdomo for a long time as a prospect. He just can't hit. He's got a good eye and plays good defense. 195 batting average, mm-hmm. 285 on base, which is actually pretty good when you consider how low his average is. Sure. 262 slugging. His slugging percentage is lower than his on base percentage. Yeah, it's not good. Not I, I think they're going to get halfway through the season and realize, you know what? Jordan Lawler is kicking ass. And <laughs> he had a little bit of time in double A to end the year, not much. I think if you give him two or three months in double A and a short call up to triple A, 
you could put him on the fast track if he's just rip-roaring through the minors. He played in the fall league, although I think he ended up with another injury, nagging injury in the fall league. You don't want to rush these guys. He's only 20. But if you're any sort of competitive around June and July, you're probably starting to think, okay, when can we call this guy up reasonably? Yeah, he he made it to double A last year. How many games did he play in I'm looking at it right now. He played 20 games in double A. Not much. Almost a month, though. He played 100 total games in 2022. Hit 303. So about a fifth of them. He only hit 212 in double A. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Listen, he, we know how talented this he guy He obviously is, was tearing it up in single A, 351, and if nine you wanna, homers. But If you want to talk about speed like we talked about earlier, Jordan Lawler is a guy who's going to be hitting for power, hitting for average. He's going to have speed. He had a... He had... Um, in 2022, he had 39 stolen bases combined in all the levels he played in. 30? 39 stolen bases. Holy crap. <laughs> On base percentage of 401, 509 slugging. I usually give the advice of don't rush the guy. That's a guy let's I want to see. Let's rush. That's let's a guy I want to see. How long has it been since the Diamondbacks have had a really good up-and-coming infielder? Steven Drew? That's a good question. Paul Goldschmidt? Okay, I guess that's... <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I should have said middle infielder. Sure, yeah, like I, athletic get what you mean. Infi- I get what you Not mean. that Paul Goldschmidt's not Steven athletic. Steven Drew, but. yeah, that's a good one. Other than... Yeah, that's... Like, this doesn't happen often. I mean, they drafted Dansby Swanson number one overall. Sure, and then they, they traded, traded him away. immediately. Um, yeah, maybe Steven Drew. That's, is that it? Like, that I know, like, it. Connor Jackson was kind of highly touted as a first baseman. Was Justin Upton a shortstop? He was, but they moved him obviously to yeah, outfield. He but outfield. he, they drafted him as a shortstop because, well, I mean, most best players on their teams are the shortstop anyway. But it feels like Didi Gregorius was Didi, highly regarded, yeah. but he wasn't really a prospect here. They traded he? for him. I thought so. Right? Yeah. I don't know. So here's another one. I think we're gonna. I mean, it's not too bold, but I think we'll see Brandon Brandon Fott as well. Oh, I'm hoping to. Yeah. That's not really when, bold. When, though? You can make that the bold prediction and say you'll see him in like the first two months of the season uh, or something. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't either. There's too many other arms in his way. Yeah. And he hasn't been in AAA long enough. I think he had like six I mean, starts. it's not bold, but definitely I think we could see him in September. Oh, for sure. There's going to be- I'm in- hoping to see him halfway There's going to the be year. injuries. Yeah. Maybe July? He's Is he in your top- Eight starting pitchers in the organization. Because how many guys do you yes. use in a regular season? Eight to twelve. Yeah, something, something like eight that. if you're lucky. And, and for him, it's beneficial that he is in AAA. Yeah, so he's not far, right? And he, it's not like, yeah, exactly. He's some not, people are making the bold prediction he could crack the team out of camp, which I think is is very bold. I'm excited to see. I'd be him happy in if it training. happened. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, cool. I want Dre Jameson in the fifth I spot. Too. So I do too. Not nothing against Brandon Fott. He's going to be there eventually. But I hope Dre Jameson makes the fifth fifth spot in the rotation. What, do you, what else you got? Here's the last one I wrote down. Okay. By the end of the season, Corbo, Corbin Carroll, almost mispronounced his Corbo. name. Corbin Carroll, <laughs> the alliteration threw me off, will be the best primary left fielder in the game of baseball. Hmm. Let me dive into that for a second. 
Corbin Carroll is an all-around kind of player. He's got some pop. He's going to hit for average. He's going to get on base. He's a base stealer. He's very fast. He's in the top 1% of foot speed in the MLB. He's going to have a great glove. He's a more than capable center fielder who's going to be forced to play left a lot, I think, because of Alec Thomas. Jake McCarthy will probably be the primary right fielder. Gurriel plays a role in both corners, probably, and maybe Kyle Lewis or Pavin Smith as well. But if Corbin Carroll is going to play most of the time in left field, here are your other left fielders in Major League Baseball. Jordan Alvarez, I would certainly say, is one of the best hitters in the game. Mm-hmm. But does he play more DH than left field? That's possible. Yeah. It's possible. I would, I mean, if I were the Astros, he'd be my everyday DH, but that's just me. Bingo. Uh, and that probably needs to happen for Corbin Carroll to be rated higher than him just because y'all, Alvarez is really good, has won you know a lot of playoff games. Obviously, yeah, he deserves to sure. be that high. Juan Soto is going to play left field for the Padres with, ideally, Tatis in right field. Oh, yeah, that's right. Juan Soto is a much better hitter than Corbin Carroll is at this point in their lives. He's, He's also a won defender. a championship. He's a terrible defender, even though he was nominated for a gold glove, which I think was stupid. I think he, he was terrible. I think he's not a horrible defender. He was horrible last year. He's not fast. I don't think he has a particularly great arm. Average. I don't think he takes the best routes I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too picky about it, but he's going to play left field. a fantastic field. hitter, though. But if Juan Soto is playing DH for the Padres primarily, that opens the door because after that, your list is Kyle Schwarber who's an all-offensive player, mm-hmm. zero defense. Mm-hmm. Randy Arozarena, who's an all-around type of player like Corbin Carroll, in my opinion. That's a good, yeah. Steven Kwan, who's a high-contact-on-base guy, good defense, but no power whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Corbin Carroll could work his way into the top five with ease. He could be number one if Alvarez and Soto play more at another position. Here's what, here's what I'm wondering. Is Corbin, now that Dalton Varsho's gone... Is Corbin Carroll still going to play left field? Are they going to make McCarthy the right fielder? I want to say I read, and I don't remember who said it, and I wish I did, that Carroll would be a left fielder and hmm. McCarthy would be in right. But I don't, I, I can't back it up. So don't, because don't take my at word. At this for point, it. I, at this point, I don't really even know who the better defender is between either. the two of them. Obviously, their best defender is Alec Thomas. And, and he's playing center field. That's his spot. I don't think Kyle Lewis is that good of a defender either, but I don't know much about... I haven't seen a lot of Kyle Lewis. Um, so I... Corbin Carroll's... I mean, they're both really ridiculously fast, but I would think because next-gen stats and everything say that Corbin Carroll's the fastest person in MLB, he's faster than Jake McCarthy. So would you... Trey Turner? No, it's Corbin Carroll. Okay, he is number one. Okay, he is number one. Um, Can you do that cool sliding thing that Trey Turner does at home plate? You've seen that, right? Yeah, he's the master of the slide, where he slides and makes it look like he just never stood up. Yeah, like the dirt doesn't even move. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it looks fake. (laughs) He's not really doing. I don't know how he's doing it. It's an optical illusion. It's definitely fake. Um. So, do you put Corbin Carroll because he maybe has a little more range in right field? Are right and left all that different at Chase Field? Yes. How so? Right field has... Well, they both have weird corners. Don't get me wrong. It's one of the worst center fields in baseball. Because of the overhang. The overhang overhang and the wall. Yeah, and it gets really deep in the the corners. Alec Thomas literally can't rob a, a, 
a home run in center field because the wall is too high. Oh, I thought you were making a. Are you making a short joke? No. Oh, I'm making the wall is too damn high. Oh, okay. Combined with the fact that he's kind of short. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> he could climb the wall though. I bet he could do but, that. But yeah, I mean, Chase Field. Let's see. I think both corners it's, are equally hard to it's play. Three thirty-four down the line and right. And three thirty down the line and left. That's basically the same. They both have weird little corners that where the ball does little like pinball stuff because of the bullpens. Yeah, yeah. Maybe McCarthy is better suited for right because he is taller and he can scale that weird like see-through wall better. (laughs) The see-through wall, yeah. The The transparent wall. The mesh wall. Yeah, where there are some seats down there, you know, on that walkway. Who are those people? I always see there's the same guy down there. Is that a ticket? Do you pay to sit there, or is that VIP? What is that? Who are those people? I don't know. Maybe season tickets. Do you have to have, like, pool access to be down there? I've always wondered. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. You and I don't get those tickets. But anyway, yeah, I don't know who's playing where. Maybe they just keep Corbin Carroll and left. I'll look into that, but I thought I read that Corbin, the preferred position, was going to be left. Okay, I'm fine with with that. Let's be honest. All three of them can play all three spots. I don't feel bad about it. Here's the thing, too. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yeah, he's going to play. He's going to play left. So who plays right and who gets the day off? I think Corbin Carroll's probably got to be an everyday player. Do you give McCarthy an off day when Lourdes Gurriel's playing left? I think you could throw any scenario at Tori Lovello, and his answer would be yes. 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 I, yes. yes. Hey, Tori, could you? Yes. <laughs> what about if you? Yes. Yes. It's a pretty good problem to have, I guess. Yeah. Because how for how, many, how long did you and I do this podcast, and I kept saying to you, I don't like Varsha on center. I don't like it. And that's a good defensive outfielder. Yeah. He became one. He wasn't one at the beginning. I always he thought one. he was okay in center. I didn't He's hate okay, him but as much as you. But I didn't like it. But, but, then he, but then they brought up three good center fielders. They move him to right, and he almost wins a gold glove. Yeah. So. And they traded him for the second best catching prospect in baseball. Oh, I hope I hope he works out. I hope he does, too. I'm excited to see him. Those first, are some good... First uh, spring training game. Uh, they have a, I think they have a split squad on Saturday, so oh, they're playing nice. two games. All right, cool. We'll have to look into that. Um, I like these. Some of these bold predictions are cool. Uh, some more realistic than others, but <laughs> uh, hey, that's what we do here on the podcast. All right, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, as games do get started here pretty soon, we'll have more information, news, and notes on the Arizona Diamondbacks and things all around baseball. We thank you so much for checking out the podcast this week. I'm Steve Zinsmeister for my partner, Cody Fincher. It is the Ain't No Fang podcast, which you've been listening to here on ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app. Yeah.